rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on One is offered as a podcast at rte.ie slash drama on one. And of course, here on RTE Radio One on Sunday nights. In 2006, Drama on One broadcast its series Seven Deadly Sins with plays from Anne Enright, Rebecca Miller, Edna O'Brien, Jennifer Johnston, Bernard Farrell, Moira Vacanti and Eugene O'Brien. Tonight's play is named after tonight's sin, greed, and is written by Jennifer Johnston. Greed stars Ingrid Craigie and is introduced by the author. There are seven deadly sins, Captain. Gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, pride, lust and envy. Seven. Greed. As a child, I was always known as Miss Nuisance because I was always asking questions. Why, what and how seemed to be my favourite words. This used to annoy the grown-ups. It still does, and I still continue to ask. Why is it, I wonder, that there are so many people in the world who have to acquire so much more money than any one person or one family could possibly need? When I was commissioned to write a play for RTE, I chose the subject of greed. Easy, I thought. Sure thing, easy. After a day or so, Annie popped into my head, followed quickly by the nursery rhyme, then, ever so slowly, by the image of the father, the sad, ghostly mother. Then, as usual, full stop. The waters that had been stirring in my brain became muddied as the questions nudged and toppled their way into my head. Why, they shouted at me. What? Who? Like the adults when I was a child, I became exasperated. Leave me alone, I yelled back. After all, I've been asked to write a short play, just that. No one wants Hamlet or Lear or the Cherry Orchard. All questions and few answers. Someone once said to me that writers were not put into the world to answer questions, but to ask them. If so, I have been a writer since the time I could speak. Listen, enjoy and answer the questions for yourselves. In a song of sixpence, a pocket full of rye, four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. When the pie was open, the birds began to sing. Wasn't that a dainty dish to set before the king? The king was in his counting house, counting out his money. The queen was in the parlour, eating bread and honey. The maid was in the garden, hanging at the clothes, and along came a blackbird and... Hacked off her nose. Oh, God. Oh, God, what on earth made me think of that? It'll sit in my head for days now. Bang away from time to time for no reason at all and scare the shit out of me. Daddy used to laugh at me and then flap his hands in front of my face and peck. Then he'd show me my nose held carefully between his first and second fingers. And I would cry. Years ago. Yep. Years ago. I'm grown up now. Supposed to be. Yep. A woman of the world. Why? I said to Mother once. Why the maid? What did she do wrong? Why did the horrid blackbird peck off her nose? Why do the wrong people always get punished? It's so unfair. 
She had sighed. That's the way the world is, Annie. It's pretty unfair. Remember, don't ask me whys or wherefores. Sometimes I hear that sigh. A slight murmur of wind behind my head. A breath. It doesn't smell the same here any longer. Furniture polish and closed windows. A bit like a convent. Someone must be hard at work. A maid? Presumably I am paying whoever it is. Hope she keeps well away from the blackbirds. <laughs> then, all those years ago, it smelled of richness. Fresh flowers. Good food. Daddy used to hate that. Why do we have to smell food? He would ask Mother. There are doors. Can no one close doors? He never changed anything. The curtains, the cushions on the sofa, pictures. Mrs. Number Two can't have had any influence on them at all. That'll let in a little healthy dust. I'll just sit here and wait for the house agent. I'll put my feet on the sofa. Hi, Dada. See what I'm doing? Shoes and all. This is my house now. No ghosts. That's good, anyway. I've lived too long with ghosts. Or rather, voices from the past. His voice, mainly. She wasn't around long enough for me to remember her voice well. Just faint whispers, sighs and the smell of drink as she displaced the air when she came into a room. Dada hated that. It wasn't part of his plan to have a wife who smelt of drink. She was dispatched upstairs. I don't think she cared all that much. I used to hear her singing through the door. I would go in in the evening and sit by her and she would talk to me in her scratchy old woman's voice. But she wasn't an old woman. Even at the age of eight, I knew she wasn't an old woman. She danced, she sang, her hair was light and when she tossed her head, it floated wide around her. She would pull me to her and hold me tight and I would struggle to get away. I didn't want to be her prisoner. I didn't care for the smell of drink either. I didn't want to dance with her. Dada's in his counting house, counting out his money, she would sing, and I would put my fingers in my ears. The queen is in the parlour, eating bread and honey. She would raise her glass towards me. What is the matter with mother? I asked him once. We were in his study, and he looked up from the paper he was reading. She's ill. Can't the doctor make her better? She doesn't want to get better. No doctor can handle that. Not even the best doctor in the whole world. He shook his head. I brought the subject up with her one evening. The sun was setting behind Kilmashogue and everything in her room was gilded with light. Even she looked like some golden treasure from a royal tomb. Dada says you don't want to get better. How very perceptive of Dada. She took the child's golden hand and held it between both of hers. You know the story of King Midas and his little daughter? I nodded. Even then books were my great joy. No one ever mentions Midas' wife, the little princess's mother, do they? Cautiously, I shook my head. She removed one of her hands from mine and stretched it out for her glass, which lay on the table nearby. Poor lady, she said, and drank the golden liquid. At that moment, the door opened and Nana put her head round. Bed, Annie. 
Obediently, I kissed Mother's cheek. Her skin smelled of alcohol. She held tightly onto my hand, and I had to pull quite hard to try and free myself. She didn't want to let me go. I have to go to bed, Mother. Yes, of course. Her voice was scratchy. Run along. Goodbye, darling. Remember what I said. She let go of my hand. I walked slowly to the door, wondering what it was that she had said to me. A tiny breeze blows through the open window, carrying with it the scent of flowers. Maybe I'm being foolish in wishing to sell this house. But why would I live here alone? Where, anyway, would I get the money to keep the place up? He left all his money to Mrs. Number Two, who knows how to handle money, who will make it grow like the garden flowers. You must learn to make money grow, he had said to me. We must have had a little row about something or other because there was a tightness in his voice as he spoke and a little venom, I do have to say. I said to your mother I must have a son and she gave me a, a daughter. Not, of course, that you aren't a delightful girl, but you are like her. You don't want to understand. He sighed. His sighs were quite different from her sighs. There was nothing plaintive or gentle about them. They were angry, very unloving. I gave her everything, he said, after a long pause. Everything that anyone could possibly want, and she did that thing, that terrible thing, that death thing. That was an accident, Dada. I shouted the words at him. I did not want to hear this. I wanted him to shut up. I put my hands over my ears. He merely raised his voice. Here in this room, he raised his voice. An accident? Pills and alcohol. An accident. Such nonsense. She might as well have thrown herself out of a window or put her head in the gas oven. For God's sake, girl, that was no accident. I suppose he was right. I had only been nine. No one was going to tell me the truth. I remember the running feet. The whispers, the grave faces, shh, they would say when I came into the room and turned their faces away from me. He cried. I didn't think that men ever cried. I didn't think they were able to cry. Come, he said to me, holding out his hand, the hand on which he wore his large gold ring set with a cabochon ruby. I took his hand and together we walked up the last flight of stairs to her room. He clutched my hand so hard that the ring dug into my finger and split the skin. He opened the door and we went in. She was lying on the bed in a long blue silk dress and she looked as if she were in the middle of a nap. And I knew she was not dead, only shutting her eyes for a few minutes. Kiss her, he ordered. No. I knew this was the wrong thing to say. He let go my hand and gave me a small shove towards the bed. I stood my ground. No. I might wake her. I might... I turned and ran from the room and down the stairs to the safety of Nana. There was a little oozing of blood on my finger where the skin had been broken. I never told him about it. The following September, I was sent to boarding school in England. Nobody asked me if I wanted to go or not. Starlit cover Use all your magic charm Oh, moon ray 
There used to be a portrait of Mother in this room, over the fireplace. Sitting in a chair with light coming in behind her, tangling in her hair, making it sparkle. She looked young and a little anxious, just in case she wasn't pleasing the painter and she didn't quite know what to do about it. Dada moved it about a year after her death. He said he couldn't bear to look at it. But even then I didn't believe him. I must look for the picture of my mother. That I would like to have. I would like to be reminded of her sparkling hair and her bemusement. Maybe he sold it. I can't see Mrs. Number Two wanting it. She'll marry again. I'm sure of that. Yep. Someone who also likes to make money grow. Where Dada was wrong with me was thinking I could be taught about the joy of making money. In my English school, I rejected maths, economics, anything that smelt of money. I discovered books. Mother had books. Her room was filled with them. Not only on the shelves, but they were also stacked neatly on the tables and on the floor. Neatly. You have to be good to books, she said to me one afternoon. They're life. She paused for a moment or two. They're all there is. Remember. All those little messages she used to give me. She always ended them with the word, remember. She knew she wasn't staying long. Don't be fooled by love, she also said to me. It's a physical trap. What you need are friends. Remember. By the time I was 15 and she had been gone several years, I was in love with Mr. Darcy and Prince Andrei Bolkonsky. Such foolishness. My friends at school either loved real young men with spots and braying laughs or Robert Redford, bold Jack Nicholson, people like that. I just stuck with Mr. Darcy. I've never been able to work out whether Dada loved me or not. Perhaps I should say liked me or not. I think he probably did. I just think he didn't know what to do with someone who wasn't interested in money or his way of living. Like Mother. She never wanted to be a rich man's wife. He drained all the energy out of her, forcing her towards some terrible sort of perfection. He wanted us all to be perfect, rich and perfect. He wanted me always to be somehow above the crowd. But I was like Mother. I liked the crowd. The messy old crowd. I can see a man wheeling a barrow across the far end of the lawn. Behind him there are trees and beyond the trees I can see the roofs. He walks slowly, his back straight. The barrow seems to be empty. I wonder who's paying him. Me? Or Mrs. Number Two? It is, after all, my house now. I suppose I must be paying for everything and everyone who is keeping the place perfect. That would seem right. She left for Greece shortly after the funeral. She and I have never had much to say to each other. I think she tried harder than I did, to begin with, before she became Mrs. Number Two. She was quite sweet to me, and I was pretty ungracious in return. My mother would not have been pleased with me. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, she would have said to me. Remember. Which I did. Not, of course, as radically as she had done. I went back to England. But this time of my own free will and volition. No more school. No more holidays here in this house, where every time I went upstairs I believed I could hear Mother crying in her room. Or singing. 
When she'd been alive, she used to sing those sad, scratchy songs of the 20s and 30s, and her voice became sadder and scratchier as she came closer to her death. If he was having guests, Dada would climb the stairs and ask her not to sing too loud. You say tomato, and I say tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, let's call the whole thing off. She'd sing that at him. I would hear her voice scratching its way through the ceiling into my room, and then his measured tones asking her to be reasonable. She always did what he asked, and after a moment or two her voice would fade away and there would be silence. I would fall asleep in that silence. I want you to come and work in the office. We were having dinner, just he and I. It was before the arrival on the scene of Mrs. Number Two. He was whining and dining her all right, but she hadn't yet moved into the house. I laughed. Laugh, he said. Why do you laugh? Why on earth would I come and work in the office? You must learn about business. I have thought long and hard about this, Annie, and it seems to me that the best thing you can do is come and work in the office. Start off at the bottom, a gopher, running messages, doing the post. Then I held up my hand. I don't want to work in your office. Thank you very much all the same. I don't want to run messages or do the post. If you had been a boy, I'm not a boy. If, as I was saying, you had been a boy, you would have gone in there straight after school. As I did. Yes. My father set me to making money straight away. He was right. No time for chasing degrees, messing around with the unmotivated. Dada! I tried to stop him, but the words swamped from his mouth like a waterfall. On and on... All I could do was sit in silence and listen to him. He seemed to me to be in the beginning of madness, but of course he wasn't. He was just telling me what he had planned for the rest of my life. I listened to the waterfall of words. I ate my dinner as I listened. I wiped my lips with my large starched napkin. I sipped at my claret. The words ran in one ear and out of the other. I imagined them like a stream trickling down over my shoulders... Gold and silver drops cascading across the floor. You start on Monday, he said finally, and there was silence. Miss O'Reilly will be expecting you at nine o'clock. There was more silence. Thank you, Dada, I said. Silence for a very long time. I peeled and ate a pear. Josie came into the room at that moment to tell us that coffee was waiting in the drawing room. That's all right, so, he said pushing back his chair, starting to rise to his feet. Well, actually, no. He sat down again. What do you mean, no? No. Just that. Is Monday too soon? We could make a slight adjustment. I want to have a bookshop. He laughed. There's no money in books. It's what I want, though. A small bookshop. There's no money at all in small. You will learn. Monday. I want to know every book in the shop. Business sense. Know-how. The pure joy of making money. You should look at it like a garden. The colour, the smells, the excitement. Growth. The maid was in the garden, hanging... What's that? You're getting like your mother. Her life, her conversation was filled with non-sequiturs. She used to say, remember. That's all I can recall. I do not wish to talk about your mother. Then he pushed back his chair once more, and this time he stood up. Remember, he said, Monday.
I shook my head, but he had turned away and didn't see. I sat in the dining room for a long time after he had gone and wondered about a lot of things. I wondered if I hated him. Hate is a hot emotion. I felt chilled by the thought of him, never warm. I thought of the brothers I should have had. Young men who didn't have to count on their fingers, as I did, in spite of my expensive English education. I saw three of them, handsome, well-dressed clones of Dada, and Mother so proud, smiling at them, happy, not in the mood to kill herself. Happy, surrounded by sons. No Mrs. Number Two. Mother still alive, sober, singing her songs and reading her books and smiling at me. I got up and went to the window and pulled back the curtain. Spread out below me in the darkness was jeweled Dublin, shining, sparkling necklaces of lights, yellow and silver and blue as far as the eye could see. There I stood until Josie came in to clear the table. And then I went to my room and began to pack. What is cruelty? I wonder often. What is self-preservation? That man is still wheeling his barrow across the grass. He just pushes it backwards and forwards. Backwards and forwards. I suppose when I sell this place, he'll be out of a job. He looks too old to get another one. I must take that into consideration when I am settling up. I must see him right. Yes. And then I will buy my shop. I have a little place in mind. A two-storey building in Sandy Cove, right on the footpath. I saw the sign up as I passed the shop yesterday. And I thought, I could live upstairs over the shop. I would never have to leave my beautiful books. When I leave here, when I have shown this house to the agent, I will go down to Sandy Cove and inspect the property. I will buy the property. I know that now. If I have enough money, I will definitely buy the property. And I will have enough money, plenty of the stuff. I will sell this house to the highest bidder. Bookshops come in all sizes. For years in London, I worked in a shop just off the King's Road. Between the shelves and stacks and piles of books, we had to edge sideways past each other. The curving stairs were for one person at a time. Every time you turned too quickly, a cascade of books tumbled to the floor. I will have a bell that rings when the door is opened, a gentle clinking ring that won't frighten buyers, but warn me of their arrival. I don't really think that Dada would approve. The king was in his counting house, counting out his money. He was always the king, right to the end. That was the way he wanted it. He had hated to lose a battle, and somehow or other he had managed to lose my mother, and then me. What a shame he had never had a son. Maybe then he could have relaxed, let go of the reins a little. He might have stopped being a king. He didn't even invite me to the wedding. I do have to say that did upset me. I would like to have been there. I would like to have seen if he was happy. He should have been. She was everything he had ever wanted. She didn't need prompting or pushing to do the right thing, to talk to the right people to wear the right clothes, to turn her hand to growing money. I would like to have been there to wish him well. At least she told me when he died. Three weeks ago. Summer heat in London, the bookshop crowded. 
John waved the telephone receiver above his head. Annie, for you. I scraped my way through the customers to the phone. Yes? Annie? Yes. I recognised the way she had said, Annie, slightly breathless and high-pitched. It was Mrs. Number Two. I'm afraid I have some rather bad news for you. Yes? Your father died last night. Quite unexpected. He had been well all day. He hadn't been ill at all. It was... Dada? Yes, he just... There was a sob in her voice. Died. Beside me there in the bed. I... Dead. She stopped speaking. I took a deep breath. I'll be over right away, I said. I'll come straight away. I'll just... Come now. Just now. I put down the receiver and looked at John. My father's dead. He nodded. I'll drive you to the airport. I have the car in today. And that was that. The flowers would have dazzled you. Piled high in the church porch. Wreaths, sprays, bouquets, swags, cushions, crosses, every colour and shape you could imagine. Smelling divine. Oh, yes, certainly. He would have liked that. He loved flowers. I couldn't help wondering as we sang our hymns. The day thou gavest, Lord, is ended. If God had a counting house where he could go each day. Otherwise, I thought, heaven was going to be a very boring place for him. The darkness falls... At thy behest. Very, very lonely. He was lonely. I'm sure of that. To thee our morning hymns ascended. He wasn't a bad man. He just wanted things to go his way. Then he thought we would all be happy. Thy praise shall sanctify our rest. Rest in peace, Dada. Here he comes. This shouldn't take too long, then I'll be off. Away from here forever. I'll run down the hill to Sandy Cove. Yes. Yes, my tiny shop, with a little bell and all those books. Yes, I can start at once to order my books. Maybe the man with the barrow out there can measure. Build shelves, be handy around the place. What a thought. What a wonderful thought. I'm coming. Yes. Requiescat in pace, Dada. Rest in peace. You have been listening to Greed by Jennifer Johnston. Annie was played by Ingrid Craigie, with Shuan Porter as the child. Sound effects were by Damien Chanel's. Sound supervision, Anton Timoney. Greed was produced by Siobhan Mannion. And to listen back to Greed and all editions of the Drama on One podcast, go to rte.ie slash drama on one.
The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. rta.ie forward slash drama on one.